You're listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast, a weekly show of our Sunday sermons that give you a way to connect with God, grow in faith, and find wholeness. Thanks for joining us. Here's the message. Hey, and welcome to Mission Gathering Christian Church. My name is Lauren Richmond. I'm the lead pastor here, and I thank you for joining us today. In this month of June, we as a church are celebrating our LGBT plus siblings and celebrating with them during this month of pride. And while we want this month to be a time where we are celebrating and lifting up the testimony of queer folks and their families, I wanted to take a Sunday to share my own personal story of transformation and growth as someone who grew up very conservative and thought that queer folks were sinful and wrong to now being a person and a pastor who fully welcomes and and accepts and loves as God loves our queer siblings, as wholly loved and accepted by God. So if you're watching today and you're new to us or you're just checking us out for the first time, I want to say, and, and, and you're not necessarily affirming yourself or you don't know where you stand on the whole issue, Obviously, my bias is pretty clear here. Uh, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, God loves and affirms LGBT plus folks. But I want to encourage you to stick around and watch and see a different perspective on what I believe the Bible has to say about our queer siblings in Christ. So take a moment, stick around with me and watch and, and listen, try to listen with an open mind about what the Bible really does have to say. And I think you'll find it enlightening. Now, trust me when I say that me becoming an affirming person was quite a change for me. When I was a kid, growing up in a very conservative context of church and school, there were two evils, as as I was taught, in the world. And, And so much of the culture wars of the 90s were spent trying to rid the world of these evils, abortion and and homosexuality, right? So I remember when I was in middle school, I had to write this essay, and I wrote this essay on how homosexuality was like the scourge of America. And if that wasn't preposterous enough in its own right, the essay was for the Anne Frank essay contest. Now, if you're not familiar with who Anne Frank is, let me just say that appropriating an oppressed minority group to justify the mistreatment and marginalization of another oppressed minority group is the height of toxic white American Christianity. So not something I'm proud of, you might say. And perhaps more preposterous about this is I never, at least to my knowledge, met a queer person. Now, again, I probably had met someone, but in the context that I grew up in, you know, very conservative church and school, Like, someone would not have felt safe to identify themselves as who they were. What's more likely, like I said, is they were kind of in hiding. So the reality is I didn't know what I didn't know. And then all of a sudden, things began to change. I began this long, winding journey of faith, seeking to rediscover what it meant to be a Bible-believing Christian. But the thing I kept coming back to was that God was good and God is love. I couldn't imagine that God would purposely exclude or abandon anyone. 
I remember Karine and I had begun attending this new church called, uh, I'll give them a shout out, Brentwood Christian Church in Springfield, Missouri. And that's all the more interesting because Springfield, Missouri is my alma mater, Baptist Bible College, if that tells you anything about how far I've come. And uh, I want to give a shout out to any allies and LGBT plus folk from Baptist Bible College. I see you. I celebrate you. So thanks, thanks for being who you are. But that's, that, that's where I came from. And Brentwood was a church that was fully affirming and inclusive of queer folk. And while I still wasn't sure where I stood on the whole matter, I was trying to keep an open mind. So one Sunday after church, Korea and I went to lunch with a group. And I sat, right, I sat right across the table from a gay man. Now, it was the first time that I had knowingly interacted uh, with a queer person at all that I was aware of. And I think I told this man that at the time. Now, looking back, I am so grateful for this guy's courage. It was a very brave thing for him to do, even sitting with me and having this conversation with me. Someone who only months prior would have called him sinful and wrong. And even though I didn't remember, I don't remember much else from that conversation, that moment, that time stands out to me as as a beginning point in my life of God doing something in my heart and in my mind. Interestingly enough, despite uh, my insistence on having a biblical basis for everything I did, what began to change my heart and mind wasn't a deep dive into exegetical conversations or biblical translations. It was sensing and seeing God's radical and inclusive love in the presence of this man who I met at a lunch table. Now, that's not to say that I threw away the Bible. I mean, not at all. Rather, the deeper into the text I looked, I was surprised at what I saw and what I didn't see. And I want to take a look at a couple of those texts this morning. A Bible verse that has been used a lot to condemn queer folks is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Now, this comes from a book of the Bible, 1 Corinthians, that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the ancient city of Corinth, a church that was full of conflict, division, and dysfunction. Throughout the book, which was originally just one long letter that was read to this, these people, the Corinthians, Paul is essentially saying, hey, as followers of Jesus, you should be better than this. In one section, chapter 6, Paul is actually critiquing the people for suing each other. Yeah, I mean, apparently they were taking each other to court over their own disputes in church. I mean, that's dysfunctional. So in this context, Paul says, hey, you should do better. You shouldn't behave like this anymore. And then Paul goes on to list all these things they shouldn't be doing anymore as followers of Jesus. So if we read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, I'll pull it up here on my phone. Paul says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Reading that, right, it seems pretty clear. I mean, in the NIV, it says men who have sex with men will not inherit the kingdom of God. The problem is it's not clear at all, to be honest. See, the problem is this phrase, men who have sex with other men, comes from an ancient Greek word, and I'm going to pr- try to pronounce it, try to recall, recall my uh, years of Greek, biblical Greek, in Bible college. It's the word arsenoik. I can't say it, see? Arsenoikites, something like that, right? And being the word isn't found in a lot of ancient texts, we really don't know what it means. In fact, one biblical scholar, Dale Martin, suggests that the word likely has more to do with economic injustice and exploitation than it does have anything to do at all with consensual homosexual acts. When this word is found in other ancient texts, it's most often used in context of other actions which harm and exploit people economically. So rather than condemning queer folk, it seems to be saying something else entirely. Another text you probably heard, Romans chapter 1, probably from which you've heard the phrase, men and women exchange the natural for the unnatural, or something like that, right? Here again, things aren't what they seem. As author Matthew Vines writes, despite how it's commonly understood, the chapter is not, is not, is not a diatribe against LGBT plus persons. Rather, Paul is critiquing the worship of idols. I'll read the text here again. Romans chapter one. Let me pull it up here for us. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 21, says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires. See, here's the thing. In Paul's days, same-sex relations were a potent symbol of sexual excess. They offered an effective illustration to Paul's argument. We lose control when we are left to our own devices. We have no moral anchor without God. So chaos and confusion are a typical result when we abandon him. Matthew Vines goes on to say that while this principle remains true today, the, the specific example that Paul drew from his culture doesn't carry the same resonance for us today. Paul was addressing, wasn't addressing what we think of as 
homosexuality today. Rather, it differs so much that it can't reasonably be called the same thing. What Paul is critiquing here is the worship of idols. And further, when Paul is talking about natural and unnatural, he's, he's mocking these people for their own for not adhering to their own problematic gender stereotypes. Again, things aren't what they seem. Paul is saying something different from what most of us have been taught entirely. And worse, while the book of Romans is a, is a book, is a text full of faith that have led people to Christ, for many queer folks, it's also the book that has driven them from the faith. Again, maybe you're watching today and you're not sure what to think about all this. Maybe like me, you grew up in a very conservative context and you've heard over and over again how wrong it is to be gay. Like me, you've heard over and over again about how these verses decry, decry all this and, and declare it to be wrong. If that's the case, I understand if you're still a little skeptical or have some questions. And really, nothing I say can change your mind today. Only God can do that. So I want to encourage you to seek God in this and study more for yourself. I welcome you to reach out to me if you want to ask more questions. You can get a hold of me at lauren at missiongathering.com. I'd also invite you to listen to the testimony of an LGBT, LGBT plus person. Listen to their stories, watch their videos, read their books. Two books I've used for this source are by authors Dale Martin and Matthew Vines. Read their stories about how they came to understand God's love and acceptance of them for who they are. I believe the best way to discover God's radical love for to discover God's radical love is to first and foremost just listen to the stories of queer folks themselves. And if you're like me, you'll begin to find your heart and your mind begin to change as you see the love of God pouring out for these people and from these people. You'll see their passion. You'll hear their faith. You will not, you will not be able to miss God's deep and abiding presence within them. And I'm willing to bet you'll come away a different person. But before you do that, before we're done here today, I want you to stop for a moment, whether it's right now or later on today, and I want you to reflect on the nature of God. What truly reflects, what do you think truly reflects God's character, who God is? A God of unconditional love, of unending presence, and radical acceptance? I believe that is what God's character is about or believing that our queer siblings are deeply broken and mistaken. Rather, 
I believe when we see in them, or what we see in them, is the very real and inclusive love of God. And I believe we reflect the true character of God when we love our queer siblings in Christ. And this is where God's love continues to transform me and you and all of us. Because when we begin to see God's expansive love, when we begin to see that for our queer siblings, we begin to see God's radical and inclusive love for ourselves. See, this is the thing. For so long, Christianity has taught us that we're undeserving of of ourselves, undeserving of God's love, that God can barely stand us, that God had to kill Jesus just to like us. As in, there isn't enough of God to go around, that God's love is limited. Hear me today. Hear me today. We don't lose anything. We do not lose anything. If, If anything, we gain We gain the knowledge and assurance that we are loved deeply and immensely and personally by God. The same God that would stop at nothing to love our queer siblings is the same God that would stop at nothing to love us. And when we know that, when we believe that, we'll never be the same. Think on those things today. Thank you for listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast. You can watch our weekly services on Facebook Live every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And to learn more about joining a group or serving with us, visit our website at mgthornton.org.